You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome to the Break a Bat podcast where baseball meets Broadway. An attempt to show that my two favorite mediums don't have to live in such separate worlds and maybe even break some stigmas. We're happy to have you with us. Now let's play ball. Hello and welcome to Break a Bat. I'm your host, Al Malafrante, coming at you from the Broadway Podcast Network Studios as we continue to kick off the new decade here in 2020. We really do have a special show for you today. Uh, one of Broadway's big hitters. Uh, I've been looking forward to it for a while since we set it up a few months ago. I'm going to call her a dynamic hitter because she's not just a power hitter. In baseball, I think one of the best attributes for a position player is their ability to beat you in a lot of different ways at the plate. Think A-Rod or Trout, Jeter, Griffey, those types of guys. I've said before about a lot of Broadway's triple threats, the acting part of it is the root of it. It's your ability to make contact and hit for average. The dancing is the ability to get on base, put yourself and your team in the position to score runs. And the singing is the hitting for power, to knock it out of the park. That's often what we take home with us as fans or students of the game or as fans and students of Broadway. And when you have a singing voice like my guest does, it's like sitting down with a cleanup hitter. Over the last half decade, she's really established herself as a key player here, whether that be in The Great Comet, concerts at 54 Below in Joe's Pub, and of course, Beautiful, the Carol King musical. She's uh, definitely someone that you want to see perform. And luckily, since our listener base isn't just subjective to New York, you may just have that opportunity soon as she's currently out playing a whole bunch of road games as Carol King on the beautiful tour. As she stops by her home field tonight on Broadway, please turn your attention to home plate just beyond the marquee. Now batting, Kennedy Coggle. Hi, Al. It's nice to be here. Well, it's a pleasure to have you. Yeah. It's so that was that was quite the intro. You had me giggling. Oh my gosh. I try to be profound. Sometimes it comes off as ridiculous or hilarious. So however you want to No, I was it. I was flattered. I was like, oh my gosh. It's kind of like <laughs> I don't know if you were like a Muppet fan growing up, but if you remember like Guy Smiley with like the here is your life type. Yes, thing, absolutely. The kind of vibe that we create. That's amazing. I said, you know, your home field. Do you consider New York home at this point? I know you're an Oklahoma girl, but I do. I was raised in Oklahoma, but I've been here for about almost half the time that I've been raised in New York. So I feel like I've been here for almost nine and a half years. Does that make me a New Yorker? I think so. Cause you grow, that's the, the prime age and prime amount of time when you really start to grow up, at least in my opinion. So I think that that's, right. that makes sense. This city did make me grow up for sure. For sure. 
occasionally when I hear you sing, that Oklahoma drawl comes out a little bit. <laughs> was, was it tough for you to master that Brooklyn accent that you need when you're playing Carol King? Actually, it was, especially with the hard R's because you, you have howdy y'all and over here. And instead, um, and specifically with Carol King, she she speaks with a light Brooklyn accent. So you have Jerry Goffin, who's a little bit more um, heavy Brooklyn that you would normally think in like newsies and stuff like that. But with Carol King, with Carol, whenever she talks, um, if you listen to her talk, it's very, very light and gentle in the way that she talks because now she's lived, you know, so many places. So by the time that she's 29 and you op- when you open the show and close the show, she's 29 years old and she's talking like this. And so it's, I, yeah, so, um, you'd have, I would, I always warm up before every show and I'm like, ma, stop. <laughs> <laughs> is that the pre-show ritual for this? Like this show won a Tony for best musical. Is this what's going on behind the scenes? Exactly. <laughs> Just Kennedy trying to get the accent right. <laughs> Now, I got to ask you, and especially since you are wearing that jersey, first of all, tell the folks at home a little bit about the swag that you have going on right oh, now. Oh, yeah. So I figured for a baseball and Broadway break a bat podcast, I should wear my, um, what do we call it? What do they call it? The baseball, the baseball league, the Broadway baseball league. That's Broadway show league. Broadway show league. So my first Broadway show league um, uniform that I ever wore, which is for a great comment. And so it's maroon with comment in gold letters and has my name on the back. Did Groban play with you guys? He came to a game one time, I believe. But he, I mean, he's he's one of he was one of our heavy hitters in our show. So I feel like he probably he didn't play that often. I think he might have played for one game and then and then stopped. But I myself didn't play that much. I just batted for the most part. So you know what we call that, right? What do you call it? A DH. A DH. What does DH stand for? Designated hitter. Oh, amazing! Yeah, so I they could just hit. hit it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I could I could hit the ball with the bat, but I was definitely not. I know that our I know from the Broadway Baseball League that you that your shortstop and your first baseman have to be on point, right? Yeah, pretty accurate. But you know what's funny in actual baseball, first base as far as like athleticism goes and the complexity of the position, it usually your worst fielder is the is the guy who's at first base. Really? That like they groom those guys like you know growing up through high school or even once they get into the minor leagues if they're not too good in right or center or oh short or whatever gosh. they stick them over at first. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Oh my gosh, that's like the exact opposite that I witnessed. That's hilarious. But you didn't want to, you know, test the waters and try any position at all in the field. Oh, I was actually I was pretty good at left field. They stuck me in they Wait, wait, wait. No, 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 no. Wait. Wait, let me turn turn the field in my mind. So if I'm looking at the batter, they would put me on yeah, far left. If I'm if I'm looking at the batter, I would be on the far left. Now I haven't played in this league. We are talking about potentially doing a Broadway podcast network team. Do you guys like call it stage left instead of left field? <laughs> but it, does does stage left correspond to left field? Like if you're looking at the batter, stage left would correspond to the left side of the field, but. Are you are you looking at like from the dugout? And okay. The left side of the field would be the left. So you're taking your instruction usually from one of your coaches. Like, so uh-huh. if I'm playing left field right now, and he shifts me stage left, yeah. If you if you're being shifted to the left, that's closer to center field. So, right. If you're so remind me if you're looking at the field or if you're on the field and looking at the dugout. If you're on the field looking at the dugout, and he's like, go go left field, then you would shift left. Actually, if you say go left field, you would be closer to the f- 
foul line. So okay, yeah, yeah. on the left or the right? <laughs> uh, that that would be to your right, actually. Okay, so to your right. So so technically, that would be house left. Yeah. Oh, house left. That's what you call. Yeah. That's, that's yeah, that would term. be house left if it's something like if you're looking. So if you're on the stage and you're looking at the audience, stage left would be to your left, and stage right is to your right from the actor's vantage point. But if they're like, but if you're in the audience watching. And they're and they're saying go stage left. You would actually be moving house right. Does that make sense? It does. It all depends on which way you're looking. It's very confusing until you get it. <laughs> I kind of just followed your hands, and then <laughs> it, I was able to kind of process it. Now yeah. you're from Oklahoma. You have a great lineage of baseball players from there: Johnny Bench, Hall of Famer, Mickey Mantle. I was going to ask you, like, because I know there's no pro team there. Why do you think the sport is still so big? Because baseball's awesome. I love baseball. I remember my dad used to take me to the Tulsa Drillers, which is the minor league team that was nearby Bartlesville. So I grew up in Bartlesville. So Tulsa Drillers is probably about 50-minute drive. And so we would go to the Tulsa Drillers game and then watch the fireworks after because it's such a it's a sport that you can go with the entire family, watch, have a good time, spend a good amount of time if, I, if my memory serves correctly because sometimes those games last forever, all the innings. Um, and then fireworks after. Why not? Yeah, and there's no timeout in baseball. There's no running clock. There's no ties. It's right. It's, it's special in that way. Yeah. Since you've lived in New York now, have you made your way over to many games at Yankee Stadium or City Field? I actually have. I've been to several Yankee games, um, and I've watched several of my friends perform the national anthem, which is really fun to do. But yeah, I've definitely I've been in the what do you call the cheap seats that are that are the uncovered um, metal benches. The bleachers. The bleachers. Yeah, I've definitely watched two games from there. You have easy access to beer out there. It's kind of a nice spot to sit. Right, right. You know, dodging the beer cans and the popcorn. (laughs) (laughs) And the Cracker Jacks. Let's not forget the Cracker Jacks. What about the hot dogs? Hot dogs before Cracker Jacks. Oh my gosh, you're right. Now I want a hot dog real bad. It's so different now because, you know, back when we were kids, you would go to a game and those were your options. It was hot dogs, Cracker Jacks, popcorn, pretzel, maybe chicken tenders. Ooh. And now it's like they have sushi bars at these stadiums. They yes. have taco sections. It's completely different. Yes, it's like an entire um just you know when you go in, you know when you when you go into one of those like really shishi like airports where you have all the different restaurants. It's almost like that has moved in. That's a really good analogy. All these chainy places too, because yes. you have like a Pizza Hut there, Johnny Rockets. Like right. that's prime air, airport food, yes. actually. Yes, and it's like they've. It's. I mean, it's brilliant marketing. I'm like, come on, if you're gonna if you're gonna go anywhere, go to a Yankees baseball stadium. Yeah, I mean, it, brilliant marketing, and you know, they, they they're certainly not afraid to to charge highly as well as you've yes. seen. You know, the eleven dollar Bud Lights and whatnot. Have you yeah. ever done the Have you ever done the sneak your own food in in a, in a cooler that's like hidden in the sack. Uh, you know what? I haven't done the food. When we were <laughs> just, you know, full disclosure, you know, fresh out of college, we would take the, uh, or still in college, maybe, maybe some of us were in 21, would take the <laughs> the water bottles and crunch them up and fill them with. Yes. Uh, we would do that. And it ended better for some of us than others. But right. yeah, we the, the food thing is something that I've started to see people do because they have like a McDonald's right across from Yankee Stadium now. Right. Yes, they do. And that's like a thing that people do. Right off the D and the B? And yes. The B? You're good. All right, Come so on. you have been to your share of games. Come on. Any player that you like out of curiosity? The only player that I knew was the pitcher who recently retired. CeCe Sabathia. Mm-hmm. He's going to be in the Hall of Fame. That's a good one to oh know. Oh my gosh. Amazing. Yeah, I, I love going to games, but I know... 
almost next to nothing about baseball. They pretty much in the in the Broadway league that I was in, they were like, okay, so you do this and this and this. And I was just taking it like as a director was giving me stuff to do. And so I would just play the game because I was more of a soccer girl. Oh, is that what you played growing up in mm-hmm. uh, Oklahoma? Center defender sweep. Now, all right, soccer player. Apparently you did barrel racing. Did. You did martial arts. Very widespread interest here. I know. I'm an eclectic girl. <laughs> eclectic. That's a, that's like the term for it. That's a good term. <laughs> an eclectic girl. I did. I grew up and I just loved, well, I grew up on a ranch. So um, riding, riding horses is kind of like something that just came with the territory because my sister and my dad loved horses. So um, my sister actually did the English version of riding called dressage that you see at the Olympics and stuff, the hunter jumper and the pattern writing. So that's the English form. So I did the Western form, which is rodeo, but not raining. I did like the crazy barrel racing stuff because I don't know, I liked going fast. And then I did soccer and then I I did grow up dancing. Um, but somewhere in middle school, I just love Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. <laughs> I love I, them I wasn't so expecting much. you to go there for <laughs> <laughs> I I'm trying to give you the shortened version of of like little Kennedy's childhood. Uh-huh. Um and then I was like, Mom, I want to I want to learn karate. So I went to the karate studio and got my black belt in Tong Sudo and started teaching the little dragons, which are tiny little three-year-olds to six-year-olds because it's, I guess, less scary for women to teach them. I don't know. <laughs> did, did they go on to get their black belts like they you did? They did. A lot of them did, but after I had already gone to college. Yeah, they did. A lot of them did. You were doing karate through high school and mm-hmm. and you were playing soccer in high school. No, I actually, I had to choose in sixth grade between soccer and dance. And so that's kind of where my first life divide went because I could have gone, like if I was going to stay with soccer, I was a pretty pragmatic kid too. So I was like, all right, if I want to be on the U.S. soccer team, I know that I got to really go for it um, because the dance, the dance practice and the soccer practice were at the same time. And I was competitive soccer and moving up in dance. I wouldn't say that I was quite as good at dance, but I knew that I wanted to perform as well. And so I had to choose. I'm like, mm, I think performing is a longer career and a better investment. So I just, I chose dance and then that's the way I went. So I didn't do the professional soccer route. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Now, where you grew up, were, was there a big division between sports and the arts? No, actually. Um, most kids did pick a sport because we actually had baseball and football because Oklahoma is the land of football, really. But we had soccer, football, baseball, basketball. Um, and my high school in Bartlesville, in Bartlesville, there is an amazing thriving arts community. And 
at that time that I went through high school, they actually built an entirely new facility for the performing arts. So we had our own uh, theater built specifically like the year before I got there. And the whole way they did that is because our performing arts was so strong that they knew they had to give the performing arts something and they wanted to reward that. But they also said, all right, the only way we can do this is if we also build a new basketball stadium. And and so they did. Wow. It was a basketball stadium in the same building as the performing arts. And so you'd have, you'd have basketball students and sports students and sports therapy students. We had a crazy high school. It was amazing. Um, (laughs) But people who were training to be PT, like physical therapists, because we also had a PT facility within the stadium. So the stadium and the performing arts building was connected and went to the same bathrooms and intermingled. It was great. This is like a real Friday night lights town. It is. The way you're describing it. Actually, weird enough, my mom was in that class and she knows a lot of those people that those characters were based off of. Wow. She went to Odessa, Texas. So was your abridgment to musical theater from your dancing background? Yes. I think so. I my sister actually performed before I did. So I kind of did, I kind of wanted to do everything my sister did. And so I I actually was in shows before. Is that is that a correct statement? Maybe not. I was in dance class first. Yes. So yes, it was. <laughs> Obviously, you had you you were the youngest of your two mm-hmm. siblings, right? And she did performing. Your parents were pretty supportive of you wanting to pursue this past high school. Yes, they were. They were extremely supportive and helped. I don't. I don't know where I would be without my mom. She's an amazing human. She had. She knew little to next to nothing about the business, and still helped me figure out which schools I wanted to audition at, what it would take. Man. I'm very lucky. And nowadays, it's super hard to get into schools. I can't imagine being a kid trying to get into a college right now. Woo. It's competitive. It's completely different now with this whole digital age, too. Yes. Yes. A lot of pre-screens. Now, did you make many trips to New York growing up or any trips to New York? I did. When I was actually the trip that got me started on this whole path when I was six, I believe I was six years old. And my mom's always loved Broadway. Um, And she took Caitlin and I on a trip to New York and I ended up seeing Annie on Broadway. And apparently that's what sparked it. Um, apparently I turned to her. I don't remember this, but my mom said I turned to her after the curtain went down. And I said, I can do that. I want to do that. And that that was it. And apparently I never looked back. And you get into a great uh, arts program at Elon. Did you know that you were really good before you got there or you started to realize along the way once you got into the program and started doing their productions? Wow. What a question. Actually, I would say that I thought I was good in Bartlesville because I was kind of a big fish in a small pond. I got to Elon and oh my gosh, the talent of the kids there was so intense. And I did not really, I had a hard time getting cast at Elon. We had a lot of good students. Um, And the first time I think I was cast at all in an ensemble was the winter term of my sophomore year, which is actually pretty late in the game. And I wasn't even expecting to get any leads for my four years until until I got it hair, which was really awesome. And that was in my senior year. But I can honestly say that Elon really prepared me in the way that um, I really am grateful that I didn't get cast immediately and that I didn't get cast as much because I think it gave me more of a drive to get in the practice room and practice my craft. Um, 
And that was kind of a way that I, I cheered myself up too. Whenever I didn't get it, I was like, okay, well, obviously there's stuff I need to be working on and I need to be practicing. And it actually ended up serving me so much better than doing show after show after show at Elon. Because that's, you, college is such a special time where you actually are there to work specifically on your craft. Because once you get into the world of auditioning, that's a whole nother ball game, <laughs> to use the term. <laughs> nice. And um, yeah, I'm just so grateful that it happened the way that it did because I felt ready when I was a senior to meet casting directors and I was able to present myself in a way that I felt proud of. Is that how you got discovered for American Idiot through the um, casting directors while you were in your senior year? It is. It is, yes. Um, Carnahan Casting was present, and they called me into New York, and I had no idea what I was going in for. I was also, like, really green at that point. And I don't know. I just went in, sang like a rocker chick, <laughs> flipped my hair a little bit. They laughed, and, and then when they called me, they were like, hey, we want you to play Heather in the National Tour of American Idiot. And I said, are you sure? <laughs> I literally, I questioned, I was like, are you sure you want, are you sure you got the right Kennedy? Um, just cause I had never imagined myself in that type of a role. Um, because I actually, I started singing soprano and doing roles like Sarah Brown and guys and dolls and Laurie in Oklahoma and eventually moved in like my junior to senior year. I realized, Oh, I can belt, you know, which is, which is a very different technique, but we all actually should be able to do both as an artist. So it's kind of cool the way that that worked out. It's kind of like you envision yourself as a third baseman and suddenly they throw you onto the pitcher's mound. Exactly. I'm like, huh, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> <laughs> You're like, wait, one or two, what's that fastball or curveball? I don't know which one it is. Yeah. That's a good mindset for it because you just never know what this game of either baseball or Broadway is going to throw at you. So right. I think it parallels a lot in that way. Yeah. Now, not long after American Idiot, you got pegged to cover Elphaba in the National Tour of Wicked, kind of like center field for the Yankees. I think of that one as like, that role as prime real estate. Oh my gosh. It was a dream come true. Was that like, so growing up, do you get to see a lot of the touring productions come through or near Bartlesville? Had you seen Wicked before? Were you familiar with the cast album? Was Oh, yes. That Can I say that that was the cast album I listened to growing up? Um when I was 13, on another New York trip, my mom took me to see Wicked. And so from, from the point of Annie to seeing Annie to doing Annie in my hometown and several years beyond that, I started thinking I might want to be a veterinarian. And then my mom took me to see Wicked and I said, nope, nope, <laughs> I want to perform. <laughs> and, right and back that's on what the I want to do. <laughs> and so I remember singing, I remember belting out those tunes in my car. I get, you know. I say that I was mostly trained as a soprano, but I did love belting. But they didn't let me belt. At Elon, she didn't let me belt until my second year. Is that to there. like protect your voice, that mm -hmm. sort of thing? Very much so. That's like pitching on an innings limit, which they do a lot in baseball. Oh, now. wait. Will you explain what that means? So an innings limit. So now they baby or coddle their prospects because they think that a pitcher will have a longer career the more they manipulate his innings oh. to start his career. So let's say you could have the best stuff. Like, you know, you have a mm -hmm. great voice or you have a great fastball, a great slider. Great arm, yeah. Great arm, yeah. What they'll try to do is your, your rookie year, no matter how much you can help the team, this is the cap for the season. He's going to only be able to throw 150 innings over 30 starts. So that's an average of five innings per start. Use them how you want, manager. 
And wow. if he gets hurt because you go over much. that or go over the pace, your job's on the line. They, they, it's, there's become a lot of analytics that have gotten involved in the game, unfortunately, that kind of take the human element out of it. Hmm. Um, so that's why you see now, uh, you know, for example, Raldis Chapman, who's the closer for the Yankees, he has one of the biggest contracts. He actually has the biggest contract of any relief pitcher to ever play in baseball because they've become so much more dependent on the bullpen just because they try to manipulate. Wow, that is legit. Yeah, I mean, it's a little bit different than, you know, trying to preserve your voice, but in some ways it's very similar. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) I would definitely say that's a great analogy to that because as a singer, it's always good to practice to be classically trained and then layer on because I think the way that I was taught is vocal health first, right? And then you layer on... Um, then you layer on a new technique and a new technique on top of that. But your center, your core center has to be healthy um, from the start or else, you know, you'll just do bad habits and then and then bad things will happen yeah. <laughs> to your voice. <laughs> Who would like that? Yeah. So while you were touring, are you always kind of looking ahead like, hey, you know, I want to be in New York. I, you know, I love this role that I'm doing, especially like we said, that prime real estate, but are you always kind of looking ahead and trying to make, you know, find ways to get onto the great white way? While oh, that's happening? for sure. I think I sent in so many um, audition tapes during that time. I feel like as an actor, you know, yes, your job is to do the craft. You actually have to know two different skills. So you have to be able to audition well and represent yourself accurately in the room and be a good human. And then you also have to do your craft well and represent yourself well and be a good human. So, but auditioning and doing a show are two different skill sets. So, and I love it. I know that some people hate it, but I love it because I see every audition as an opportunity to do something other than the show that I'm doing. So when you're on the road, you actually can't, you usually can't fly in unless it's a special circumstance. So you have to do audition tapes. And so I, I remember submitting a lot of those while I was the understudy on the road. Is that, uh, let's go to 2016 for a moment. Is that mm-hmm. how you got discovered for Great Comet? Um, actually, Great Comet was through my agents. And so 2016, I left Wicked with trembling hands too, because like that was a dream job. And you chose I, to leave? Like it's not, wasn't like a contract situation? You, you, correct. They still had me, they still had me on. I, by the time I left, it was almost two years that I had been with the company and it was a dream job, dream company, dream people. Um, and I just knew that it was time for me to take a break and try to do something else. And um, so I went, and for two months, it was nothing because I left during the middle of the summer, and I did a reading. And then I auditioned for this little show called Chick Six, and I ended up booking it, so I got my off-Broadway lead debut. And then that got sh- the run got shortened, and I was very sad about that. Um, but then this next week, an audition popped up for this show called Great Comet, which I had no idea what it was. And I almost didn't go because we had to go to a dance call and only if we made it through the dance call would we get to sing the 45 pages of music that I gave, they gave us to learn the night before. At least I didn't give you the book War and Peace. That would have been a lot worse. <laughs> Did you imagine? <laughs> it, felt, it felt like it, though. I, I called my agents. I said, I'm not going in for this. <laughs> Wait, I'm- did you ever see the Charlie Brown New Year's special? Yes. Where he has to read that book. Yes. And he's like miserable on the porch, like while the party's going on. And oh this poor freaking kid who goes through enough is like forced to read 
war and peace. Like, what a depressing image. That's yes. like, anyway, go on. I didn't mean to interrupt your story. No, no, Charlie absolutely. Brown <laughs> but it, w- it was like that. And I, and I remember calling the agents. I said, I'm not doing this. I'm not going to, I'm not going to learn all this music. I'm not going to stay up till 2 a.m. to go in for an 8 a.m. dance call to just be cut. That's crazy. And they were like, just go, just go. They know that, they know that you just got the music. I'm like, oh, okay. So <laughs> I went and the movement was actually very much in the style of American Idiot, which is more pedestrian movement and um, kind of like my martial arts training, I think, helps me in that way um, and driven from storytelling, driven from an emotional place, which isn't necessarily like what I would call like ballet combinations and tap combinations, which is extraordinarily technical. Um I can I like to say that I can do those, but with adequate prep time, dance calls are scary for me. Um, anyway, but it worked out. I made it through, and then I sang, and then they called me back the next day, and I sang again, and they had me play piano. And I played a song that I wrote in high school, just a just a piano piece. And the I remember the producer asking me in the room, he was like, okay, well, if you got this, could you start tomorrow? And I laughed. I was like, <laughs> I mean, sure. And he goes, okay. I literally got the call that afternoon. And they're like, you start tomorrow. And when I got there, they it was the music director. And he handed me an accordion and said, here you go. And I said, I'm sorry, what? Because <laughs> I didn't understand why they were having me play piano. And that was because... It's if, on your resume at that point that you're a piano pianist. Right. Yes, <laughs> I was going to say you're a collected kid. You that that I did not know that that was one of oh, the other yeah. other uh, strong suits. Piano, violin. I was I was a very eclectic, strange kid. I didn't go to parties. I just I played my instruments. I played video games, and I watched superhero movies and did my homework. <laughs> so I grew up in an Italian family. We weren't allowed to go to parties till like senior year of high school. So right. I so the accordion. Go on. I'm sorry. Oh yeah. Um. So they handed me an accordion. I said, I'm sorry. What? <laughs> <laughs> and they were like, Well, you play piano, so we're going to teach you how to play accordion. So if you if the, for those of you who don't know what an accordion is, it's a beautiful instrument. Um. And how do I describe it? The piano's on the right hand side. And um, it goes in and out, and it sucks the air through the tubes and makes a noise. Now, they're <laughs> on the left-hand side, there are also 60 different buttons that are not numbered or marked in any sort of way. And that actually plays, you can play a single note or a chord. And I did end up eventually playing the left hand, but I definitely played the Tinker Toy version on my right hand to cover the accordion track, who had she had just, like, broken her hip. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god so so they were like they needed somebody to cover two of the leads which is maria d and helene and they also needed somebody to cover to be a swing and and cover the ensemble so i did and we technically covered all 30 ensemble tracks that you saw i never went on for all of them thank god i couldn't imagine um but i didn't end up going on for nine and then my two leads i did end up going on for those so 11 tracks in all out of 30 which is pretty great um, but yeah, there I was. That's how I made my Broadway debut was in the ensemble of Great Comet doing the splits while playing an accordion solo. And that was actually, that was my choice. Oh man, I can't, I don't even remember what made me do it, but Katrina Yaki was the other accordion player. She's incredible. I love her so much. Um, she, we were talking and I was like, huh, wouldn't that be funny if you did the splits? She's like, well, if you do the splits, I'll, I'll do it with you. And and it came, I got the call. They're like, all right, well, you're on tonight um, for Mary's track. And so I went in and we were getting to that point where we were playing. And then all of a sudden I just extended my leg and she extended her leg. And then all of a sudden this moment 
where the spotlight's on the two accordion players doing the accordion duel, we both go into the splits and they had never done that or seen that before. <laughs> and the entire audience just went, ah, you know, it was a very magical moment of making a choice, somebody saying yes, you know, kind of like a home run moment, if you will. And I'll never forget it. I was going to say that sounds like your first career, not just a home run, first career grand slam. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and that's where the bases are loaded, right? Yes. And they get a home run and it's four runs. Uh, yes. Total. And not many rookies hit them. And the fact that that was like, you know, your Broadway debut, that's kind of like your, you know, your rookie showcase. I will moment. say that's the only thing that I do remember. <laughs> <laughs> you blacked out the rest of I it. I blacked out the rest of it. I was just like, well, nobody died. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to take a short break. When we come back, we leave Moscow for Brooklyn. It's time for the seventh inning stretch. Stay tuned. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. All right, Kennedy. I know you haven't gotten to hang out in New York too much lately, so I thought this would be a good chance to present you with a welcome back gift of sorts. Oh. I'm actually not going to present it to you. You kind of have to earn it. Oh, okay. All right. So I need you to get a few base hits here. We call it the seventh inning stretch. Game's tied. You got to stay loose. The fans are at the concession stand for the last call. The grounds crew is tidying up the infield. But like I said, you got to stay loose. Keep your head in the game. So why don't you take a few swings at some trivia questions. And in the spirit of our show's theme, half baseball, half Broadway. Oh, my gosh. All right. I'm going <laughs> to four questions. You get three right. Okay. You win the prize. And they're all shows you've been in. Oh, good but not okay. necessarily your characters. So oh, man. Let's see what happens, okay? Like a comet pulled from orbit. Like a... Co- <laughs> <laughs> from orbit. That's usually not the show tune that I sing. So. <laughs> I kind of wish that was the lyric. Like a comet pulled from orbit. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> like a comet pulled from orbit as it passes the sun. Like a stream that meets a what halfway through the what. That would be a stream that meets a boulder halfway through the wood. You're one for one. Yeah. Now, you've been to a few games, so I'd hope that this is a layup. Okay. What's the name of the song that the crowd sings during the seventh inning of a baseball game? Is it Take Me Out to the Ball Game? Two for two. Yeah. In a complicated Russian novel, how many different names does everyone have? Um, and they all have five different names, seven different names. Ten different names. You can't give it away, Bia. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And you didn't give it. It's <laughs> I can't believe I didn't know that. <laughs> but I tell you what, Mario's in and Mario's old school. 
Natalie's young and Andre isn't here. Yep, that's it. Was definitely in the opening, wasn't it? It was in the opening, and I'm. It was you nine. You don't have to give it to me. It was nine. Now you know. So it I'm not nine. giving you credit. No, you have to earn this. <laughs> oh man, my brain definitely dropped a lot of info <laughs> from the amount of tracks I had to learn to room for other shows. That's Fair embarrassing. <laughs> All right, Jennifer Lopez is engaged to which oh, no. Yankee legend? Oh, no. Oh, no. Um, my bus driver actually is friends with her and was telling me, I want to say his name is Joe, but that might just be, that's a shot in the dark. Oh, I don't know. Joey? No, no. <laughs> I'm sorry. There, Marilyn Monroe was married married to Joe DiMaggio. Oh, maybe that's what I'm thinking of. J Lo is engaged to A-Rod. They call him J-Rod together. Oh, J-Rod. That's why I thought of the J name. I was like, Joe, Joey, J. Yeah. Okay. Crazy. All right. So listen, you didn't get the three out of four right. I'm going to give you one okay. bonus question. Okay. <laughs> okay. Here's your chance. Just because you're <laughs> for the remedial, good... for the trivia remedial like me. <laughs> <laughs> Pleasant Valley Sunday was written for which pop group? Oh, the monkeys. Boom. She gets it. <laughs> It's it's a Yay! home run. She wins the prize now. <laughs> Two strikes, but you know what? That doesn't matter as long as you make contact. That is right. So you know what? We'll do, we'll just uh, we'll we could call the you know the one that she got wrong, which she kind of needed. We could call that, I guess. We call it like a a balk on the pitcher or something like that. But Amazing. listen, from now on, when you go to Yankee games, you will have your very own <gasps> Yankee hat. Oh my gosh. I've been wanting one of these. Congratulations. I'll, I'm going to put it on right now. Yeah. Oh, there we go. I'm Let's going, go. I'm going to wear it. Can you tell that we're just total shills for the New York Yankees on the show <laughs> at this point? <laughs> I occasionally have a co-host who's a big Mets fan, so this will piss him off. So that's kind of nice. <laughs> oh, my God. <gosh. laughs> awesome. Let's my best go. friend likes the Red Sox. I'm sorry to hear that. You know, I feel like I do feel like it's such an Irish town that like part of me is like maybe I should like the Red Sox a little because yeah. I'm so Irish. Yeah, I mean, it's not like a something that you have to conform to. That's like the beauty of baseball. You take you you don't have to feel obligated to like a certain team or a certain player just because of you know. I mean, New York, we got a lot of Irish people here too. Right, that's true. So just stick on the route that you're going. All right. <laughs> so just <laughs> stick with the big city folk. Yes. Now, I just want to point out quick that Beautiful is actually on a short list for me of shows that I've seen twice. Oh, my gosh. All right. And I, the first time was with Jesse Mueller. Oh, and then, lucky oh, you. Yeah, that was OBC, right? That's like a big deal. It is a big deal right? to see the original Broadway cast. She was great. And then I got to tell you, and my friends, even though they like to break my chops for it, I, over the years, thanks to Netflix, I became a big Glee fan. So yeah. I went to see Melissa Benoist in it a couple of years ago. Oh my gosh, then you saw me. I saw you. I think you were playing her friend. Betty. Yes, that's right. I was like, hi, Carol. Hey, Mrs. <laughs> K. <laughs> you hadn't mastered the Brooklyn accent at that point? No? I I think, I'm not sure. It depends on when. It depends on when you saw it. Because Betty's kind of like, she doesn't necessarily have to have a heavy accent. Now, I want to just bring this up because I thought that it was pretty cool. I mean- you know, you're playing alongside her, and a few weeks after I went, I guess you actually got the pinch hit for her as right? Carol. Yeah. Uh, what's the story behind that? Um. So, so Miss Benoist had to be at the San Diego Comic Con for Supergirl, um, because I don't know if you watch the show. It's great. I love it. Um, 
But she had to go, and there was a planned out. And so they were like, well, you're ready, and are you ready to make your carol debut? And so I made my carol debut that two weeks. Was it two weeks that you said? It was about two weeks after she started. Yeah. Yeah, and I went on for the first time, donned the blue dress. Is that your I made it moment? Yes, for sure. My I made it moments were my Broadway debut. In the accordion track, my Broadway lead debut is Maria D. Um, and before that would be uh, the first time I went up in the lift in Defying Gravity during my Alphabet debut. And that moment when I appeared on the piano singing So Far Away. What was it like meeting Carol? Oh, incredible. I can honestly say that I only got to talk to her for about all of 10 seconds. Um, but she is as magical as you would think she is. She walks into her room and her smile lights up the room. She bring, she like walks into the room and, and everyone feels just peaceful. Like, I don't know. She's just like an ethereal being. Um, and I remember saying, wow, I don't get starstruck at people, but I remember coming up to her and feeling very tongue-tied and going, uh, thank you so much. I don't, you probably hear this a lot. And she, and she says, but never from you. Wow. Wow. And I, and, and I have actually borrowed that and have used that with other fans because it's such an amazing way of saying your word matters to me. Um, and I was very touched in that moment. And I got to tell her how amazing she was and how influential she actually was in my life. And it's pretty crazy. And I took a photo with her and that was it. You got it framed in the living room, I, I just assume? Yes. <laughs> For sure. That's one that you got to frame in the living room. Yeah. Um, how'd the tour come about? Um, the tour came about, so I left to go do a, a show called Paradise Square with uh, Jason Howland, who is the conductor and beautiful on Broadway in at Berkeley Rep. And so I did that. And then I went and got married to to this one over here. My For those of you who don't know, my husband is sitting here by my side. Um, but, and for those of you who don't know, he is also the potentially the good luck charm in the San Francisco Giants three out of five <laughs> championship run in the early 2000s. So if you think of the team of the decade, you got to think of Tim now. Right, that's right. <laughs> Tim Fraser. <laughs> so they were casting the tour and they reached out and they said, hey, is Kennedy interested in possibly taking over? And I said, if it is for Carol, we can definitely talk. And I knew that they were seeing people um, the week I was getting married or the week before and the week I was getting married. So I got married in Portland or in Washington state. So that's on all the way on the other side of the country. And I, and I said, hey, do you want me to come in before I leave? And they said, no, we know what you can do. And it was kind of radio silence for a while. And three days after I got back from our honeymoon, they called and they said, hey, we would love for you to play the role if you want. And I said, let me think about that. Sure. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Let me think about that. Great. Sure. I'll do it. Um, and here we are. We've been on the road for about two months. 36 towns in two months. Isn't that crazy? It is. And you have a full slate of shows this spring and summer. Sure do. Um, what's the coolest place you've gotten to perform and where are you looking forward to performing most? Oh, my gosh. Um, well, I, I really love the Fox Theaters. Um, and I love, love, love old vaudeville houses. It's kind of like... What's what's the oldest um, baseball stadium that's still going? Wrigley Field. It's like playing Wrigley Field because there's such history behind it. Old vaudeville houses are like that for me. Beautiful vaudeville houses are incredible. Um, yeah, so I'm excited. 
Well, for more info on the tour, be sure to log on to beautifulonbroadway.com backslash tour. So if you're out there listening to this and you're not in New York, uh, maybe you can catch Kennedy uh, hit it out of the park. So playing Carol King is a big deal. You can imagine what fastball derby means to Kennedy. That's <laughs> when we return on Break a Bet. All right, Kennedy, you sing about the earth moving under your feet and your heart trembling every night. There's nothing about fastball derby that's as mellow as the month of May. I got to <laughs> preface you on that. It's great. Pressure's on, ninth inning, two outs, sign run on third, go ahead and run on second. You're at the plate with a full count. Chapman's on the mound, throwing 105. We call it fastball derby. Okay. I ask you a question. You say the first thing that comes to your head. Okay, I've got my cap on. I'm ready. All right. Favorite New York City meal? Oh, sushi. Go-to pre-show ritual, aside from the uh, Brooklyn accent. I would definitely say hot water with lemon. Most challenging song to sing in any of your roles? Um, Defying Gravity. Is that your favorite as well? It is one of my favorites, yes. What New York landmark have you never been to but still want to see? Ooh, um, I would say the Bronx Gardens. The Gardens in the Bronx. And the Gardens in Brooklyn. I haven't been either, so if that makes you feel better. I've lived here all my life. <laughs> I know. It's kind of hard. When you live here, it's hard to do that. Someone in the audience you were most scared or nervous to perform in front of? Oh, my peers. Hands down. My peers are my people from my hometown. <laughs> oh, so that's you consider your peers. Okay. Yeah, but also my peers who I went to school with. Like your your Elon contemporaries. That's <laughs> yes, the ones who've seen me at my worst. <laughs> and a lot of them are in the industry now, too. Yes. So. <laughs> yes, I get so nervous. I just want to do well for them, you know? Your dream role? Oh, Annie Oakley and Annie Get Your Gun. Favorite late night snack? Two show day, you get home, it's after midnight. Oh, What's Candy grab before she gets ice cream. hits the Ice cream? Ice cream and chips. Well, and Wait, when you say and chips, are we talking like potato chips alongside potato the ice cream? chips. I've never tried that and I'm tempted. Get a little salty and a little sweet. It's perfect. Proudest moment of your career? Oh man, I have so many. Uh, I would, I think proudest moment of my career. Oh my gosh. I don't know. I have like several in my head. Um, you know, I would say opening this tour. And lastly, what's the best piece of advice anyone ever gave you? Never give up. Who told you that? My dad. It's a good source. Yeah. Kenny, it's been awesome. I uh, wish you a lot of luck on the rest of the tour. And I got to say, we selfishly, we can't wait for you to come back to Broadway because I know the future is very bright. Oh, thank you so much. Well, I can't wait. Can't wait to be at bat, Broadway bat again. <laughs> awesome. And uh, you know what? That'll close out the ball game here on Break a Bat. For the Broadway Podcast Network, this is Al Malafronte signing off. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to Break a Bat. This is produced by the fine folks at the Broadway Podcast Network. Visit and subscribe at bpn.fm slash breakabat. You can find me online at break underscore a underscore bat underscore podcast. And you can also find the Broadway Podcast Network on Instagram at Broadway Podcast Network. It's been so great having you here with us today and we'll see you next time.
Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.